0: Hi, this is Anne Eugenio, and you're listening to the Momentum Therapy Podcast, Episode 3. So the other day I was riding in my car, driving, and I had my kids with me, and I'm feeling just kind of like in a general pleasant mood, and so I started singing just to myself, which I often do. I'm kind of a singy, kind of whistly person, and I start singing the hallelujah song, um, the pentatonics version. And next thing I know, my daughter Eve, who's next to me in the passenger car, she's like, Hey, um, uh, my friend said you have a really good voice. And I was like, what? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Um, it's just you and me in the car, right? Like how does, how does this person know about my good voice? And, and, and I, and I felt, wow, this, this person that I don't even know this other teenager, got a look into my life and my system like how I behave in my car with my daughter which is different than how I behave when I'm in any other circumstance and it was kind of this feeling of whoa whoa uh you're privileged because that was an insider look right so I was thinking about this idea about how um you know there's an expectation of of control, a feeling of control over the circumstance in the, in my car and how it kind of echoed a lot of systems. So when I'm by myself in my car, I am like a different person. I choose the music that I want because I have teenagers right now, which means they are passionate about their music choice. And if I make any disparaging remarks about any of their favorite artists and it's um, it's just, it's as if I would insulted them personally. So we have a lot of their music on, which I usually generally like, but when I'm by myself, I like to choose something like the crash test dummies or Sarah Bareilles and I sing along and it's loud and I just have a good time by myself. That is one way that I experience my car and driving. And then I have my kids with me and it's totally different. As I mentioned, um, I might sing, but I'm singing a little more quietly. I'm thinking about um, connecting with my kids and and sometimes managing their experience of the car because I want them to have positive interactions with me. And I'm also maybe trying to sneak in a lesson or two if I have something that I want to teach them. Um, you know, it's the go-to place for a talk about sex or drugs or whatever it is i'm also keenly aware of anything on the radio is teaching principles that i don't want to be taught to my children um which of course is all the things that are in common popular music and then i want to have a conversation about it whereas when i'm by myself in the car that same material could come on and i'm like singing along and i don't care um so there's this different system that's operating when my children are there in the same environment Um, and then my kids friends get in the car and the music might get a little quieter or maybe it gets a little louder. Um, I'm trying not to be seen or heard at all in some instances. And in other instances I'm trying to monitor, um, what's going on so I can make sure that, that everybody's, you know, safe has their seatbelts on and is, you know, being respectful and not fighting over, um, not fighting over seats, but instead letting their friends sit down. So I'm again, now I'm monitoring more people and kind of trying to manage that experience for them. I want the guests in my car to feel comfortable. So each time a new person comes into my car, we have a new system created in which I am operating. Each person contributes and my behavior change, changes. So my question today is, does that mean st- that I have a right or a wrong behavior in my car or that a one way that I should be? Well, we also say, well, I should follow the traffic rules so we can agree on that one, the larger system. But, um, but essentially there is the way I behave in my car, how I function, how I show up is highly dependent on the people who are in my car. And the environment is highly influenced by by the people that are in the car, so I want to compare this to a system's approach to to family therapy. Um, not only are am I influencing the people in the car, they're influencing me, so the system is kind of circular we're we're all um affecting the experience of everybody else, and that is how. That is how a systems therapy, a systems approach to therapy works. So we're gonna we look at um, if there's a difficulty in your life, we're gonna look at the systems that you are functioning in instead of giving giving the locus of ownership to one single individual for whatever circumstance is uh, in their life. This is a really um, particular uh, viewpoint or foundation for marriage and family therapy, and I'll talk more about that in a future podcast. And on the very first day of class, we, back in September, with my professor, Lindsay Nice, she talked about um, the unique and positive aspects that this foundation gives marriage and family therapy, specifically the, the added hope that it can give, because it spreads out and eliminates blame for one person, right? So my car example, there's nothing, um, it's not a painful example. It's more of just a cute analogy about um, how systems work. And, you know, but a lot of times the systems are things that we get stuck and we can't move forward to make change happen. And we think that we should have control over our lives to make change and that the ownership lies with us alone. This fits in with an individualistic approach to 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 life. If you're not the only one that's causing any given circumstance, that means there are lots of options and solutions available to you and you can get as creative as you like to make this happen Uh, it's also it also affords greater personal responsibility for how we affect the lives of other people around us Um, as i mentioned an individualistic take on life is pretty common and we can. We have this idea that we really can only control ourselves, and so we have ultimate control over only ourselves. And so we really just need to mind our own business and focus on our own wants and desires and dreams. Um, it's kind of the American dream gone wrong. Um, but really, we have a great responsibility to those around us, and we should acknowledge and accept and expect to influence those in our communities, in our systems, in our families. This system approach to um, our difficulties in mental health it gives us an opportunity to acknowledge the nuance and to admit that there's no one right answer for most of the way most of our problems most of the things we want to change in our lives. It lets us introduce more variables, um, an almost infinite amount of variables um, as to why a situation is the way it is. For some of you listening, this might seem like an obvious observation. I mean, think about just sickness, like literal sickness, maybe COVID, which I really kind of hoped I wouldn't ever mention on this podcast, but there it is. I did it and it's done. So COVID has been mentioned, but one person gets it in a family and the next person gets sick and the next person gets sick, sick. There's just, it is affecting everybody. Everyone's exposed to the same, um, germs and they're going to get sick. Systems are like this. And, um, And everybody participates and everyone is exposed and, but then, but not everybody's going to get COVID to the same um, degree of severity. Some people are just going to get, you know, lose their taste and some people are going to be in bed for a week. So, and it's the same way with systems. Um, For example, if we live and grew up in a family that was, you know, not supportive of women and girls. There could be two sisters in that family, and one grew up and was never held back by the limiting beliefs that she'd experienced by her parents, perhaps, and another sister could be completely stuck behind a glass ceiling in her life. Um, We have to let go of the idea that there is one specific right or wrong response to any circumstance because, again, there are 100 million variables and nuance available to us. It does make therapy harder in a way because we can't just have things black and white. If you do this, then this will happen. It requires a sharing, um, a deep look, and a willingness to be vulnerable. And for many of us, uh, being vulnerable is not only difficult, but it's impossible because we've been socialized to believe that those you know, feelings are, inter- that being vulnerable is actually inappropriate and a sign of weakness, which again is an influence of a larger system. So we have systems within systems within systems that are affecting our emotional and, and mental lives, our or lives um, and our connections to others. This is, an, is a systems approach. And to return to my car analogy, when I'm in the car, I really want as the mom, as the, you know, maybe the carpool driver, I really want to control the car and i want to be a stabilizing force and i have this illusion that i probably control more than i do when in fact in the back seat between two teenage friends i have no idea what is happening they could be looking at their phones at who knows what or talking to who knows who i have i really have no idea and on top of that i'm also working in the wider system of you know the freeway and all of the cars that are interacting in around, around me the weather um, the time of day and whether or not I'm late or not. So all of these things, uh, many of these things are completely out of my control or they were out in my control once and they no longer are <laughs> when it comes, you know, which is the case when it comes to being late. Um, and these things are affecting me as a system in my system where I'm at. They're affecting my behavior, my thoughts, um how I experience the people in the car with me. If I had to wait five minutes for one of my kids to get into the car, then I'm a little bit um irked at them as I drive, and I'm having and I'm speeding and maybe not paying attention. So this is just a great um, analogy and metaphor for our lives and our families, and helping us to slow down and appreciate um, appreciate that we're not always in control, and that by examining, Taking a close a close look at how we function and the influences on our life and how we influence others is going to be a really healthy thing to do as we try to improve ourselves. Gregory Bateson is one of the like founders of marriage and family therapy, and he was very. It was kind of a metaphysical metaphys- guy, in my opinion. He was most of the things he spoke almost seemed like riddles because he did not have a belief in any one um, one truth. Um, he said that we can never be quite clear whether we are referring to the world as it is, or just the world or the world as we see it. And this is kind of the foundation. We we only can see things from where we're standing specifically and, you know, owning, owning that and acknowledging that can create a deep sense of humility in your life, which also makes it easier to approach and resolve problems. Um, He also said, there are times when I catch myself believing that there is such a thing as something, which is separate from something else. And again, you know, I love these kind of riddle comments, um, which he used to teach this principle. So what does this mean for you in your life? Like, how can this be incorporated? I'm creating this podcast as a library of helps, right? So what can you do? Well, it means that our relationships matter how we treat each other matters and that change is possible and made easier by understanding the complex systems in which we're all functioning which we're all apart we are often unable to see clearly um, or understand the barriers to help, that we have when we wanting to when we're wanting to change and it's simply because we haven't been able to be um, aware of the complexities of our situation in our systems As a little exercise, something that you can do in just a couple minutes while you listen to this, maybe you can pause, is um, think about a time or aspect of your life in which you are in complete control, that you feel like you absolutely control that thing, and yet you, you feel powerless to change that thing. There's something about it that you don't like in your life, and you seem powerless to change it. So you can pause if you want and think about that for a minute. I will use the example of... You know, waking up the time that you wanna wake up. As an adult, you feel like you should be in charge of that. Or maybe even a teenager, a kid, you feel like, you know what, this is my body, I can set an alarm, I can wake up. And yet you maybe still struggle with that. You can't seem to understand why you don't have the willpower to just wake up and get out of bed when your alarm goes off. So if you have something in your mind, it's something different than waking up. That's just my example. Pretend you're a bystander, like a fly on the wall observing this situation play out. And really take a look and notice what elements are at play that you hadn't maybe noticed or thought of. So the, the to use my example of waking up and getting out of bed on time, you the, the problem seems simple and you just have trouble waking up and you should be able to fix it. But if you look at the bigger picture, you may be aware of the fact that you have a husband or a partner, um, a spouse, a child in your house that loves to stay up really late, and that's your only time to connect with them. And so you sacrifice. So you aren't maybe getting the the rest that you need, and you're actually sacrificing it for something that you really want to sacrifice that for. And the belief that you should be able to wake up early and you should stay up late with your son or daughter or partner to want to spend quality time with them are conflicting with each other, and we'll never be able to be. Both of them will never be able to be um, a reality at the same moment. And that this feeling that they should will always make you a little bit dissatisfied. And you could maybe only notice that by taking back and pondering and looking at your bigger picture. Or let's say that you literally have terrible old clothes, and you don't want to get dressed in the morning. It's not exciting. Or let's say you have a chore that you hate to do in the morning and it's something you have to do every time you wake up. Like for me, I hate waking up my children. I hate it so much because they are grumpy and mean. Um, incidentally, I have actually gotten better at that because we got a puppy and I just bring the dog with me and I'm like, puppy wake up call. And I'd like put the puppy on their bed and you know what? Everybody's happy. So, you know, change the system and that got easier, but I digress when we see patterns, um, and influences and notice beliefs about how well that are affecting um, the systems that we're in. It gives us a more of an opportunity to see solutions when we can admit that we're not in total control. Some of the things that affect us in our systems are, um, and in our families and our circumstances, are actually lessons that come from the past. So we can dig even a little deep deeper and find out maybe. In for my example, what did I learn? Um, as a child about staying up late or waking up early that is has effect here uh, what patterns am i trying to reenact that i learned as a kid or as a young person or just at any time or even from the media what is it that i'm trying to do and what influences are are um, trying to direct my behavior and um, influencing the result i'm getting so I titled this podcast, No Bubbles, No Vacuums, because none of us live in a bubble. Even my when I'm in my car by myself, heading down the road, it feels a bit like a bubble because I'm literally encased in steel and nobody can hear or see me, really. <laughs> um, I'm still a part of a, a larger system, and I carry with, with me all of my relationships and experiences from the day, the week, and my whole life. Um, and... Instead of this making us feel helpless as if we are just a part of these massive, this massive, you know, organism of life that we have no control over at all, instead it can really help us develop a curiosity and a, a wonder to observe things and to learn things that we didn't know before. Um, I love this scientific principle. Um, it's also frustrating because, you know, it kind of creates a paradox, but I love the scientific principle that. A thing observed is therefore is automatically changed by the observer. So a thing observed is a thing changed by the process of being observed. So just observing the things in your life that you want to change, just observing the systems, the complexities, um, the connections that you have, the influences that are around you and how you influence others, just observing that alone can create change. Thank you for listening and I hope you have a great rest of your week. Bye.